Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, here is some of the news of the past 12 months. 130 people have been killed in a series of terrorist attacks in Paris. Three bombings in Brussels have killed 32 people. 49 people have been shot dead by a gunman in a nightclub in Florida. And near her home, a woman MP, the mother of two young children, has died after being stabbed and shot in her constituency in Yorkshire. What indeed to tell the children? Is the media specifically aimed at children under 12 telling and showing them too much or too little of the world we all live in? Or are they getting it about right? Uh, are events being explained well enough to that age group? And what is the role of news media specifically for children, especially in a digital world where online content for children is sitting alongside content for adults? We, these are just some of the questions we want to try and examine uh, in the next hour. My own background is that for over 30 years I was a TV news producer and editor, bringing all sorts of dreadful news to viewers and listeners. Uh, then for three years I was the Ofcom content regulator responsible for enforcing the standards code, which attempts after transmission to decide what was right and wrong to transmit. Uh, I also had in that role responsibility for digital media literacy strategies that might help the young and the old to navigate their way through the digital world. Now, our format this afternoon is that we're going to use the Paris attacks of November 13th, 2015, as a case study. We're going to look at how it was covered by the mainstream media and compare it with two news services, one French, one British, which, has, which are aimed specifically at children under 12. I'll then interview our panel about the lessons of Paris, open it up for other uh, news events and indeed other issues which arise with them and, of course, with you, the audience. Uh, just to introduce the panel, Sophie Gindensberger was one of the founders of Le Petit Libé, which is produced online by the French newspaper Liberation for children aged 7 to 12. She's now a freelance journalist specialising in web media. Uh, Louis James is editor of BBC Newsround on CBBC TV and online, which of course is aimed at a similar audience but in Britain. And Perkins is a former TV news reporter, now a leader writer and columnist at The Guardian, who wrote about the coverage of the attacks uh, in terms of the coverage for children uh, in The Guardian. Uh, all three are working journalists. They've all had a very busy time recently. We're very grateful for them to come to Sheffield for this session. And Professor Tom Billington has come not quite so far from the University of Sheffield, where he's an educational and child psychologist. Well, first, let's go back as we set the scene to the events of November last year. And look first, before we look at the coverage for children, let's look at what we were seeing, the, the adults amongst us, in mainstream TV. If you remember, the attacks began on a Friday evening, and much of the footage uh, appeared first on the Saturday. Now, here is a short extract from a report by James Mates of ITV News. Music in the Bataclan nightclub had long stopped. Instead, the soundtrack to a Friday night in Paris had become the murderous gunfire of seven heavily armed psychopaths. Now, inevitably, after this shooting, particularly at the Bataclan, Paris was a very frightened city throughout that weekend. And that's demonstrated in this report by Tom Bradby, also of ITV News. That a gunman might still be on the loose somewhere, it didn't take much to create whole-scale panic. This was the Place de la République, just after 6pm. The rumour spread like lightning that a gunman was approaching. 
We were filming about a hundred yards away at the time. I was asking some young Parisians about the impact of this tragedy when the panic outside triggered chaos inside too. You say you don't want to be scared. Is the reality you will think twice next time you're going out on a Friday or a Saturday night? I don't think so, honestly, because like, how, how can you tell this is going to happen this day or tomorrow? You cannot know, so it's better not to think about it because you cannot do anything about it, so... Of course, nobody knew what was happening, but most assumed the worst. This woman with her dog was 90 and could not easily move. All anyone could think of was how to get out. So that was what was on in evening on uh, ITV and very similar coverage on BBC and Sky and other news outlets. Let's now turn to the coverage by BBC Newsround. And if we've just grabbed a couple of pages, well, actually, Newsround have kindly uh, grabbed these from their pages on the day. We'll come into the details in a second, just in a sense to get a, a, the scale of the coverage, a whole series of offerings there uh, about the tributes that were going on around the world. That's the Sydney Opera House being lit up. Uh, we've got political uh, uh, tributes from David Cameron. And we've got some of the things that were going on in Paris uh, on, in the Monday on the minute silence. But we particularly wanted to focus on the first video transmitted on, BBC, on CBC by the Newsround team. This is 11.35 on the Saturday morning. Uh, let's look at that report now. Hi, I'm Aisha. Today on Newsround, we'll be talking about some sad news from the country of France. This morning to sad news from Paris, the capital city of France, after attacks there last night. Jenny has been following all the news. London, New York in the US and Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Just some of the cities around the world turning big buildings red, white and blue. The colours of the French flag to show people in Paris that they care. It's happening because of attacks in the French capital city that started just after 9pm last night. Sadly, over 100 people have died. The French president, Francois Hollande, has been reassuring his people. These terrorists that are capable of such atrocities need to know that they will be confronted by a France that is determined, unified and pulled together. Our Prime Minister, David Cameron, said he's shocked that his thoughts and prayers are with the French people and that we will do whatever we can to help. Other world leaders, including US President Barack Obama, have shown their support too. We stand prepared and ready to provide whatever assistance that the government and the people of France need to respond. France is our oldest ally. The French people have stood shoulder to shoulder with the United States time and again. And we want to be very clear that we stand together with them in the fight against terrorism and extremism. The streets of Paris are quiet today. The police and the army continue to work hard to help keep people safe. 
Well, Jenny is with me now. So do we know yet who might have carried out these attacks? Well, Aisha, we've just heard that a radical Islamist group who called themselves Islamic State say they carried out the attacks. Now, French President Francois Hollande also thinks that they are responsible. We have lots of information about this group, who they are, where they came from and why some people might want to join on our website. Now, we've all seen today this news and people might be really upset about this. What should you do if you feel upset by what you've seen? Well, Aisha, it's natural to feel upset about stories like this. And remember that events like this are very rare. That's why they're on the news. The important thing to do if you're upset is to talk to an adult, mum, dad, perhaps a teacher. And remember that there is lots more on our website. Thank you very much for that, Jenny. And as we said, there's more information about what's happened in Paris on the Newswam website on our live page, which we'll be updating throughout the day. And that's also where you can find our advice if do feel upset by what has happened. Now, finally, in this part of the session, we want to show you actually some online pages from Le Petit Libé uh, website. Now, it was in English as well as in French, so we're obviously going to show the English bit. There's, what a, there's the head of the section, and I know you can't pick up the text that size, so let's just grab a couple of pages. I think it's worth just looking at the way it was expressed here. You probably heard that last Friday evening something really bad happened. Le Petit Libé is giving you some information to try to understand what happened, but don't hesitate to ask your parents if you're not sure you understand everything. So quite similar in that sense to uh, the kind of things that was being said. Now, there was a page here called What Happened on Friday Night. It's quite interesting how specific this is about what happened. So there's some very violent men called terrorists set up an attack against Paris, the capital city of France, and a nearby town, Saint-Denis, to impose their vision of the world on everybody. They act violently, harming people to scare them. Uh, and then at the top of the next page, you see it describes the number of bombs, it describes how people were killed, um, that uh, the terrorists d d triggered uh, bombs, and it actually has, uh, in the second paragraph there, in all the terrorists killed at least 129 people. So r really quite, uh, quite a lot of detail there. Uh, and then there's a page uh, as to why the, the terrorists would attack. And it has, again, terrorists can have different goals. Some want to take for themselves part of a country where other people live. Others want everyone to follow their religion and share their ideas. And there is a map uh, showing the Islamic State. Not sure the Islamic State claim all that territory, but I think we've, it's simplified for the benefit. So I think you've got a range of, of coverage there. And to discuss the issues which arise from that, uh, let's start with, with Sophie. Uh, Sophie, I suppose the first thing to, to say is tell us how that came about, uh, those pages. Uh, did that format exist already? Did you make it up specially? The, the format existed already. Uh, uh, we had created it two months before uh, with uh, three colleagues in the, in the newsroom of Liberation. We uh, decided to, to make a web edition for children uh, from 7 to 12. And uh, we, we really wanted it to be web first and uh, to be something you can uh, touch and, and click on it and uh, play maybe with it. Because uh, in, in normal edition, we used to, uh, we had a, a quiz with questions. And um, we, uh, we wanted it to be on very uh, serious questions. Uh, uh, Liberation has a, a strong approach of uh, social issues and is a left-wing uh, newspaper mm -hmm. and uh, we wanted it to, to be not about uh, only uh, 
uh, about uh, children, but really on, uh, about questions uh, the same as adults, but aimed at children. So we had an edition. The first one was about refugee crisis, and the second about uh, clim climate talks. But not only the, like you can see, uh, the, the bear on the Arctic, and it was really about what are people um, uh, doing in a, in, a, in a summit, whether they are speaking mm -hmm. about, uh, about climate, etc. And uh, we had another uh, edition in, in, uh, in preparation when the, the attacks occurred, and we decided uh, that uh, we had to, to do a, an unscheduled edition about the, the Paris attacks. So uh, I, uh, it was for us a side project. We didn't uh, do it uh, full time. So uh, I was um, at that time I was a social media editor, and I worked at, at the, um, the, the news desk for the website of Liberation. And on the Friday night, uh, there was a big party at Liberation. Uh, the, all the, the newsroom was there with family and friends, and uh, we we began to see uh, that uh, there, there was uh, something went bad, and we, we didn't understand exactly why at first. And uh, we went live uh, maybe uh, at uh, maybe just after the first the first attacks because we saw on Twitter that uh, something uh, something was uh, was occurring there. And uh, I had to do this job first and uh, uh, understand understanding what was uh, occurring, what, uh, what the tr those, those shootings were. And uh, I also did that on the Saturday. But then on the Sunday, we, we thought about Petit Libé, and uh, we, we thought we had to do uh, something, uh, something for children. Mm -hmm. So um, with, uh, with two colleagues, we wrote it. And uh, this time, uh, we asked two child psychiatrists to read it and to to, to help us uh, find the, the, the good tone and what to, what to say. Mm -hmm. and they asked us, asked us to be more uh, precise <coughs> and to, we didn't put the word, the word Bataclan, it's the concert hall that was attacked. Mm. Uh, and they, they said we had to because um, uh, children uh, listened a lot and they heard things they didn't understand. And if they heard Bataclan and they didn't know what it was, they would imagine it was worse than, than, the, than, uh, than it was. Right, so, so the, mm. the, the reason behind the precision was in a sense to calm fears rather than, obviously, <laughs> yes. obviously you didn't want to create fear. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, and what was the reaction from, from people who were using the site? What, I mean, uh, children and parents. The, the, the reaction were, were really, really good because um, uh, people needed something simple and uh, uh, we, we tried to, to tell the truth and to tell that we didn't know if it could happen again, mm. but we tried to, be, uh, to tell it in a comforting way telling that the police were there to protect them and uh, telling that uh, they could uh, be together and that they could do things like uh, lighting candles and a smile to other people in the street and I think that um, the parents uh, needed that too and, and I needed that too mm. to, to find something positive to say and it was soothing in a, in a certain way to and not only uh, speaking about the attacks and uh, what was uh, so horrible. Uh, did people say that you gave too much detail, too little detail? I mean, that um, you got it right? Um, we, nobody uh, told us that we gave too much detail, mm. but I think um, we really imagined this edition more than the other as um, uh, to be reading uh, parents with children uh, together and, uh, and, and maybe not uh, the, the children alone. Uh, that's why we were really precise on the, on the beginning that uh, the children could, should uh, tell the, their parents if there are some things they don't, uh, don't understand. 
Um, but uh, the emails we, we, we got were all uh, really enthusiastic, so we didn't have a have reproach about that. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, Lewis, um, cast your mind back to, to that weekend. What did you see the role of Newsround uh, on, on that weekend? I think, um, I think my, my initial reaction, if I can go, go through the, the evening in the same way that Sophie did, you know, was, was horror what happened. And I think fairly quickly um, I reached the conclusion this probably wasn't something we could wait to cover. Um, I think there's always a dilemma when you're doing news for children, which is, which is you know, should you wait until you've got some certainty about who's carried out the attack? Because what children crave, I think, is answers to questions. Um, and I think the scale of these attacks, the fact that they were in close proximity to the UK in Paris, um, the fact that sporting venues were attacked, the fact that I think the coverage was going to be on, on a huge scale across the rest of the media, all of those factors led me quite quickly to conclude that we, we had to do this straight away. Right, just explain, what would you normally do at a weekend compared to... Oh, I mean, I mean our, our shows at weekends are, are usually quite magazine. Right. Um, in, I mean, we... So it was we, a conscious effort that you needed to do more than you would normally do, and... and I, think, I think to go... And, and, to, and to cover it straight away as well. Right. You know, you know um, I think with the Charlie Hebdo attacks, we... Um, we uh, waited one bulletin, and then we we managed to put together an animated um, uh, VT for the for the Charlie Hebdo attacks because mm. the the images were probably even more problematic for the Charlie Hebdo attacks yeah. than, than they were for Paris. So we actually yeah. told the story about an attack on freedom of speech via a cartoon, which is quite apt given it was it was Charlie Hebdo. Here we we didn't really have that option. We just had to. We, I, you know, I felt that morning, and so did the team, that we just had to go with this, mm. and so. Um, you know, luckily, luckily we had those images of the of the buildings, because um, I think that's probably the most problematic thing for children is to convey the information that they need, that they that they that they crave, the answers to the questions that they that that they want, mm -hmm. without frightening them with with images of dark dark shapes and dark shadows and explosions, because they don't add any context to a child's understanding. Mm -hmm. um, they're just frightening, I think, for, for for children. So you're you're trying to help them to understand. What do you? What are you trying to avoid doing? Are you trying to avoid? You're obviously trying to avoid frightening them unnecessarily. I think you're trying to avoid. I think you're trying to avoid frightening them unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. I think you're trying to. Um, I think. I think what Sophie said is completely right. You're trying to tell them the truth. I mean, quite quite early on in our in our coverage and the reaction we were getting from children through our website, it was quite clear that the biggest question we were being asked was, um, "Will this happen in the, Will this happen in the UK?" That was that was the number one question, and um, we were able to answer that. Um, we we enlisted the help of our colleague Frank Gardner, the BBC security correspondent, who's brilliant at talking to children, and he said very directly to children, um, "Not only is it possible there'll be an attack in the UK, it's quite likely at some point there will be an attack. Um, but the important thing to remember is it's highly unlikely to happen to you, your family, or anyone you know." And I think being able to tell the truth to children. Um, D directly, but also to give them that reassurance. That's the that's the real, you know, that's the real measure of success. I think, as in terms of in terms of trying to convey difficult events to children. And, and since uh, Paris have been a whole series of other episodes, which I read out, has anything changed in your thinking as these things have developed? Have you become have you moved in any particular direction? I, I, are they are they the same kind of stories, or are they always a bit different? They're always a bit different. I, I mean. Personally, I found the, the, the murder of Joe Cox more challenging than the Paris attacks. I think it was an incredibly complex story. I think because there were also legal considerations um, in, in that with, with a, a man being arrested, um, which made it very difficult to give children those certain facts that they, that they needed. So, so that, was, that was a very difficult and different challenge to, to Paris. What I would say, I think, probably, um, probably 
I think it was from the response we got from children via our, via our website, um, uh, the thing that struck me really was, was I think it reinforced how children relate events very closely to their own lives, and 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 to and to and and to that that method of reassurance that I think Frank Gardner gave was was I think tremendously useful, and it's something we we repeated again in the in the Brussels attacks. That idea of you know we can't promise this won't happen to you, we can't promise this won't happen in in the UK, we can't promise it'll mm. it'll it'll happen you know so to, to in somewhere that you know, but it's highly unlikely to happen to you or your family or anyone you know, and I think I think that formulation I think. That we we worked out during the during the Paris coverage, I think that worked, and I think some of the just reinforce some of the things you know that we've always done in the newsroom. But but hearing from children directly, you know, it was great to hear from children in Paris. We sent a reporter to Paris um, on the Sunday, um, was on the ground and was talking to children and their families, and um, there was a wonderful, just a lovely moment and a quite revealing moment, I think, for for our audience, where a young girl was asking her mother, "Is everything going to be okay?" And the mother just hugged her and said, "I hope so. I hope so." And I thought, again, echoing what Sophie said, you know, I think it's that 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 ability to to, to tell the truth. That's the most important thing we can do to children, mm. for children, in my opinion, is to tell is tell them the truth, but to do it in a way that that makes them feel safe, and that they don't have you know a huge number of spiraling questions coming out of the of, of the coverage. But it was a challenge. I mean, it's, you know, that was that you know it was a, it was an ongoing, evolving process um, uh, during the. During the week after the attacks, you know, you know, you often said that news is the first draft of history. Well, that was the, mm -hmm. the first draft of the first yeah. of the first draft, if you like. So, it, it, yeah, I mean, um, okay. I think we, we reflect a lot on it, but I'm very proud of the coverage that we that we did that week. Okay. Let, let's move on to Anne and taking that point about look, these were all done at slightly different times. Some was done on a Saturday, some was done on some on a Monday. Uh, and you did write a piece in which you, you contrasted the, the newsroom coverage. And I think it was probably that piece we showed. Uh, with, a, with a sound problem, and, and you wrote, uh, you, com you compared it with Le Petit Libé, and you said, so be accepting of fear, we all have to live with it. I mean, reflecting now on, again, using these just a few samples, what is your feeling about, uh, is there a difference in this approach or, or not? I, um, I, was, I was very informed um, when I wrote that piece by the mm. fact that, and it's fitting today, is that, it, that that today is the anniversary of 7-7, because that day um, in um, 2005, I had just gone back to work, having been off, and my kids, who were um, 12 and 13, I think, were with friends. And um, I, I, I came into London, central London, and, and, and there was chaos. And um, I couldn't get on the phone. I finally get managed to ring the mother that my children were with and say, don't tell them anything, but, you know, I am fine. If they ask, tell them I'm fine. And later I discovered that actually they did know something awful had happened, and they were in a complete panic, um, but they kind of didn't dare to ask. And, I, and that very much made me think that the more facts you can give, uh, obviously in context, then the better it's got to be. And when I saw the news, this was on Monday, when I saw the... Uh, Newsbeat, which I felt was very unspecific, and then looked at Tilibe, which I thought I really liked for the level of detail it gave. I can see there's a difference between something that's written mm. and something that's visual. And the so I, what I liked about it was the amount of detail, the fact that it emphasised that it's natural to be fearful, and that's and, and legitimised it. I also very much liked the way they distinguished between. Um, 
terrorism and Islam. I thought that was extremely important um, and very well done. And then finally, uh, the last point that I think that the Libé um, pulled together did was to emphasize that um, it's very unlikely to happen to you. So you kind of have to convey this, both a lot of facts and, and, a, and, a, and a, a sense of the risk. And that was what particularly impressed me with Libé. And I, uh, and I must say, watching more of the news round coverage, I mean, as you say, Frank Gardner in particular is brilliant at explaining in a very unpatronizing way uh, the detail. But in your piece, you picked up the number of times that news round said sad. And I suppose that was a sort of metaphor for we're not actually going to tell you too precise what happened, but sad covers it. Is that, is that what you were that's getting ex at? Yes, exactly. I mean, of course it was, it was, it was sad, but that's not really nearly enough to, to, to help a child to understand um, what's what happening. And I would have called it frightening, and I would have called it terrible, um, as, as, as well as sad. You make a lot of the same judgments, don't you, for children, that you make in any ordinary news bulletin, I think. Um, and um, I, I, th I, I think that... Um, the use of nebulous language is not helpful. Uh, Tom, let, let's uh, we'll give a chance, perhaps, if, if Lewis wants to respond to what Anne says. I mean, in, in the broader context here, picking up what Anne says about on, on 7 7, her children are found out anyway, seems to me we've got here with, with social, let's add in social media as well, a situation where. You know, I consider myself once the gatekeeper. When there were only TV, two TV channels in Britain that had news, what I decided was pretty much what half the population saw. And if I didn't want them to see, they didn't see it. Well, those days are long gone. But what are children to make of a situation where you've got sort of adult news regulated, you've got sort of children's news regulated, and then you've what we used to call at Ofcom the Wild West? Um, do they understand these different places, these different spaces? Do they have different expectations of what they'll get when they go there? or? Yeah. Um, in, so I, I work as a as a teacher and a researcher at the university, and so there's a theoretical aspect of what I'd like to say. But I also practice in the family courts, so as a practitioner, where um, children's accounts of distress um, are central to the to the life of the court. So the notion that um, children are unused to to dealing with distress. Uh, or, or forms of atrocity um, is not necessarily the case. Uh, most children have forms of distress even in the, even in the uh, normal household, uh, so they deal with it in, in a particular kind of way. What I think the media is engaged in, when I write something, I have a particular audience, I have a particular, as it were, client in mind. Yeah. Um, it's the, the court or it, it's a, an academic audience. I think the problem that with media is that they're not quite sure who, who's going to be on the other end of the screen or, or, or whatever. Uh, and so government wants to get involved in that, I suppose, and say, well, what kind of notion of childhood do we want to create? What is childhood, in effect? And, and I guess in a lot of these um, uh, uh, videos, etc., and, and that's what we're negotiating. What, what is childhood? What are the boundaries of childhood? Uh, what is it that children should know? And that's a kind of living organism. The notion that actually childhood is something which stays static is not true. We're negotiating it all the time. You know, the, uh, the limitations to um, 
that the age at which they should vote, that criminal responsibility, they're all being negotiated by different societies at different times. So you in the media dive into this, uh, not passively, but creating it. You're part of, the, uh, of constructing what, how, how it is the nation constructs the idea of, of childhood. What I would say in terms of the specific um, aspects of delivering the bad news or whatever, a tragic news, context, in my view, is, is virtually everything. Not, not necessarily all, but virtually everything. Uh, we watched the television on the Friday night of the Paris bombings. Uh, unlike 9-11 uh, or 7-7, people remember where they are uh, forever as adults because mm -hmm. they're shocking. Um, when it, so we watched the, the events un unfold on that Friday night with our 14-year-old twins. And we were, we were quite shocked and horrified. 14-year-olds, um, we, we can control what's happening. But yeah, would we want to, could we know with any certainty what was going on? No. Can children live lives without, without certainty, uh, sorry, without uncertainty? No. Children have to get used to uncertainty. And I think the example you quoted from Frank Gardner there was a very good one. I think uh, Libé was, was excellent in what it did. I think the piece that uh, you did, I think, did you do something on November the 27th? Um, we, 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 we basically rolled coverage through, so there's, there's from various dates. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think what November 7th had in common with, uh, November 27th coverage had in, in, in line with your original piece in, in, in France, was that um, it invited um, the, the person through uh, into a different door. And if they didn't want to go through that door, they didn't have to, it, it invited them to ask a question. And if you wanted to know the answer to that question, you can go there. So there was some element of which the, the child could feel uh, s some degree of control. But is that, is that realistic in a digital world where you're only a ah. click away from somewhere where there's not even a door, there's, you know, the, the door's been opened and somebody's shouting at you through the door? Absolutely. I mean, uh, Lewis, do you want to respond to, to that and to what Anne may have said? Um, yeah, I mean, on the... On the, on the on the clicking on on something something else and and being being you know click away from from any kind of you know any any kind of horrific news from around the world you know you think of you know the, the worst you know the beheading videos and and, and, and so on that I you know is propaganda um, I think from our experience I think some children are exposed to it some are not at all um, I I don't know if that's if that's your experience I think you you have to be aware that you're serving both of those audiences that some of them will have seen the the the, the six o'clock news and will have seen those people running uh, you know over tables and trying to get away and some won't and you've got to serve both of those audiences um uh and and what i would say is i agree completely about context and what um an online a digital platform allows you to do is to you know if if you know, I invite the audience afterwards to look at Newsround's Paris page, you know, live page, which is called What Happened in the Paris Attacks, and it's video after video after video, and it's all context. It's all, you know, who are IS? Where did they come from? Um, you know, why do they want to do the things they do? Um, you know, what's being done to try and stop them? All those questions that, that, that have and try and build up as much context as possible, which I think sometimes is, is lost in the, in the main TV bulletins. I think, you know, I think I, I personally feel that we do a better job in explaining the context 
than others. Um, I mean, on, on Anne's point, she's, she's been very polite today, I think. Um, uh, in, her, in her article, she said that news and coverage was useless, which, um, which obviously I strongly um, disagree with. And <laughs> I, again, I, 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 won't I won't speak for our coverage. I'll, I'll, I'd lo like our coverage to, to speak for itself if people want to take a look at it. Um, I'd also say Anne's view is at odds with other journalists um, uh, and parents and teachers. Um, and uh, and our, you know, the, the feedback we got was 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 overwhelmingly positive, and, and, and that we were doing a job that no one else was was doing. But and we'll make her own case. But just on the basis of what we showed, yeah, you, in that report, you, yeah, you did not have almost any of the detail that Petit Libé had about what actually had happened. I mean, basically, your piece was something sad has happened, and here's the context. The missing bit was what had happened. Well, we said that we said there had been attacks. We said that people had been killed. Yeah. We said who we said who, who claimed responsibility. Yeah. We linked to the website to to say where, who that group is, what they believe, and 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 mm. how they were doing it. What we didn't say was people were shot and people were bombed. And mm. I think that's the difference between a, a broadcast medium, I think, and a, and an online medium. I, I think I think in terms of. Some which, somewhere like um, Petit Libé, which is which is you know appointment to view in a way. Mm. Um, I think you can you can go that step further. I think a television broadcast on a Saturday morning. I think it's it's mm. much harder to to start talking about about people in a concert hall being being executed. And I think I think that's 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 the difference. I think. But Lewis, isn't there a isn't there a a, a, a midway point or at least a point slightly? Um, closer to what actually happened than you managed to get to there. I'm, I recognise all the constraints and the difficulties, um, but I think if, if I had, if, if it had seen that, I, I would simply have been left bewildered um, and I would not have felt um, informed about, about, about what had been happening. Mm. I, I, well, I disagree. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I do fundamentally disagree and I think, you know, what, what we're able to do at Newsround is to, is to both broadcast on television and to have our, our online service standing behind that with, with more context and, and more opportunity and a chance for children to engage directly with us and to ask questions. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I would stand by the decision made not to talk about executions, not to talk about shootings yeah, on, on the morning. No, but you wouldn't talk about executions, but you can talk about shootings. Hmm. Maybe talk a little bit more about the perpetrators. Well, well, I invite people to have a look at the, at the, sure. at the website where, where there's, there's, a, there's, okay. a, there's a full guide to IS, their, their, their theology, their, their methodology. Yeah. You know, there's, it's, it's, all, it's all there. Okay, I think uh, other sessions have complained there wasn't enough time for questions from the audience, so let's make sure you have a chance to ask a question. Just to keep going to the front row. Thank you very much. Thanks, Aya. Um, I was wondering if you built in ways to teach kids media literacy specifically around how to read various media sources about these kinds of events so that when there is um, a disagreement in how to portray stuff and how many facts to give between various news producers, giving them the tools to, to interpret that for themselves um, in the way that you know adults could probably also do with that in case they are not sure how to get facts. And do you also engage adults who might not have enough knowledge to help their kids co-watch and be active viewers. Uh, I'm thinking about um, the Chilcott Report and the film We Are Many, which is, happens to be out in screens again, and I know a lot of adults who are seeing that so that they can talk to their kids about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good, that's a, that's a, kind of that, if, if I may, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a really good example. So we covered the Chilcott Report yesterday, and I think it's, you know, it, it's a prime example of, of 
you know what Newsland is there for because um, you know I watched some of the the coverage on on news bulletins um, last night of Chilcot and they all assumed that one you were an adult when the events of 2003 happened and you could remember those events you knew what weapons of mass destruction were mm -hmm. you knew who Saddam Hussein was you knew who Tony Blair was um, and so you know our role there is to is to help help partly I think yes to help parents mm -hmm. teachers other adults um, to co-watch and to and to discuss with their with their children what's happening because we don't assume knowledge from our audience. We assume intelligence, but we don't assume knowledge. And most of you will be people who create content for children, and you know the intelligence of, of, of your audience, but they don't always have the, the assumed knowledge. OK, let's get a non-media view on this. Tom, do you want to, I mean, reflecting here that, you know, digital media literacy, or there are many versions of it, uh, is about understanding the media. Do, do you, I mean, there's been, certainly when I was responsible for it at Ofcom, there were endless debates about it, with no one was ever quite sure what it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, are we any of the further ahead in terms of helping people to understand their way through all this? Um, controlling children's access to media is getting more and more tricky, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, from, from... But hel helping them as opposed to controlling? Yeah. Um, it, it, it suggests that actually children always want an adult to be there. I, I, I think there's, there is an issue here as to regulated and unregulated spaces mm. and, and, and the extent to which um, children have to have adults there as a presence making sense of things all the time. I think historically children have had uh, open spaces where they've, where they've been able to make sense of the situation and, and make things up. Um, it seems to me perhaps with new social media that those spaces are almost returning, they're, they're recreating spaces where children can go where, where adults aren't necessarily surveilling them in, in, in those quite the same way and that gives us, that makes us quite uneasy as adults doesn't it? Yes. Can I just ask, uh, Sophie, can you, offer, is there, in France, is there any difference? Are children taught more about trying to understand the implications of the media or, or not? Um, for, we, we didn't do that with the Petit Bidet. No. But, uh, they're, but they're, in, the, in the French schools or in the universities? Uh, the there, there's a, an, institu an institution uh, called mm. le, the Clémy. It's a, it's a teacher uh, working with, uh, with a journalist to, to mm. explain how the press works. Mm. And I, I know someone who, who works there. And every time a year, they, um, they do a a week, a special week about press in school, and a journalist go explain their work on how how, how it works. Okay. I did it one one time with a, in a high school, mm. uh, so there there that. Mm. Okay, sorry, you wanted to come back? Yeah, yeah you still got the mic, okay? Quickly. Thanks. So I've been ahead of PSHE, and I think it's safe to assume that we cannot control what kids see, and no matter how uneasy it makes you feel, I think it would be helpful as someone who's helped young people navigate this with the media resources available, which have been excellent, the sources that you've described, um, and also viral videos like um, the little boy and his dad um, talking right after the Paris bombings. It, was, it just went all over. It was subtitled within a couple of hours so that everyone could understand it in English as well. Um, the, the kids needed media literacy lessons, and they were coming from me. It would be much more helpful and much more sort of, of a social responsibility kind of thing if you guys built that in too. And I haven't heard that from any of your answers. So 
is a, a request um, when you are making the media make honest ways for kids to interpret bias, see intentions, understand who, who controls, who pays for, who benefits from what they create. Because adults are trying to share this with each other and it would be really helpful if we'd learned that when we were kids too. Okay. In order to get some more questions, a short answer, is it the BBC's job to help people understand the media? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a hand over there. Thanks. Um, Amanda Gummer, Fundamentally Children. My background's child development psychology, and I wonder whether um, we're a bit too um, binary about children's news, whether we've, we don't accept, well, we don't recognise the, the massive difference between, say, a six-year-old and a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old, and whether we need more sort of scaled or more gradation in the news and, and how either the French or the BBC can, can provide that kind of variation and the sliding scale that satisfies the needs of, of children of different ages? That's a really interesting question because we have talked about this kind of block of seven till 12, but Anne, as a parent of somebody a little bit older, how do you cope with uh, these gradations between these different ages? Fortunately, the, 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 the whole digital media thing when my kids were that age was, was much less of a problem. Um, but I exactly take what you say, and I, 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 the truth is, I don't have a, I don't have a, a knowledgeable, um, experienced answer to give. Um, beyond, obviously, if you talk to your children, you know what they're understanding, and you know where they need help. And um, I think keeping that channel of communication open has to be the most effective um, thing that at least that a parent can do. Yeah, Sorry, there was, um, that I, I agree, and, and with in terms of teaching the parents how to, you know, that open communication is absolutely vital. I'm talking more about the responsibility of the broadcasters to provide differentiation between their programming and, and the, the sort of the offerings they give to children at different ages. Uh, so you're looking for a kind of early teen news, are you? What? Potentially. Yeah. I, I mean, I, if, if, if I can come on to that, yeah, I mean, I agree with you in, entirely. I mean, it is a real challenge to, to, to broadcast, you know, a, something on this level for, for six to 12-year-olds for television. It is, it is tricky, but it, it's something we attempt to do. It's something NewsHand's done for a very long time. I think, I think the digital, the online space offer, offers opportunities here. And I think if you, if you look at our coverage um, online, what you'll see is there's a lot of video. And that's because, you know, you'll know that, that at six, seven, eight, children are very good at navigating their way around video and, and they're able to do that. But also there's a lot of text as well. And so for those old, older children, I think what we're trying to do is, is, is um, online, we can, we can go into more detail and serve them a bit better while still serving that, that younger audience. But I think you're right. I think it's a, I think it's a real challenge. And I think, I think serving sort of 13, 14, 15-year-olds is something that we're thinking about in an online space. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a completely different ball game from, from, from the younger end of the, the audience. And, and, and working out how to do that is, is, is going to be very important in the future, I think. Okay. Anyone else want to add to that as well? Well, I just wondered if, um, if, if kids, in a way, don't kind of build their own um, television users out of Facebook shares and um, all the other different kind of online stuff that's I think, available. I think once they get to 11, 12, 13, I think they, 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 they start to do that. Yeah, and mm. I think mm. I, I, I think definitely that there's there's a, there's a sea change in the way they consume media at that point. Okay, take a, another question. 
I can see one right at the... Oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Good afternoon. My name is Teddy Jacklai. I'm a content manager at GetNet, the children's channel of the public broadcaster in Flanders. And um, I'm also a doctor, a PhD in uh, child psychology. So what I wanted to respond to uh, my colleague psychologist <laughs> there, um, at the public broadcaster, we have different brands for different populations and target groups. So I think we will always, for example, CatNet is zero to 12, and within CatNet, you have CatNet Junior. It's, it's similar to CBBs and CBBC. And we have the task to give the news um, to the children from six to 12 years old. But we are not alone. It's not only our responsibility as a public broadcaster. We, at that moment, when such thing happens, we have to work together with all the other partners that work with children, with the schools, with, with youth, with parents, and so on. And then you can make the news individual to each child and to the different uh, target levels and to the different, because, okay, a child of six-year-old is not one of 12, but, for example, one 10-year-old is not the same as the other 10-year-old. So what I think it's then important in such a situation to work together and not only to not only do your own responsibility, but it is also our responsibility to work together with all the partners in the development of children. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, are you suggesting that there ought to be you know, a different brand for this age group that we're talking about now, these sort of 11 to 14 to 15? I mean, for instance, it, would you use the Newsround brand if you were doing such an online service, or would you have to create a, a, a new brand? I, Not that it would be that difficult. Well, um, it'll, it'll surprise you that the, 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 my position in the editor news, I like the, I'd like, I quite like the newsroom brand to be, the, right. to be to be that brand. Even for an adult news site. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I actually think that the, the, the branding is less important. I think traditionally this has been seen as a branding issue by, by media outlets, that, that serving that, that kind of teen demographic is all about, you know, branding and making it cool or, or, or having a different name for it. I think, you know, Anne alluded to it, but the way that, the way that teenagers share content, they almost don't care where it comes from. They, yeah. you know, they, they do, almost don't, don't notice. I mean, yeah. I, I, find it, I find it a challenge sometimes to, to, to get them to notice it's our content when, when, we, are, mm. when we are sharing on, the, on, on BBC News' Facebook page because people, people don't care where the content comes from. And so I don't think it's a branding issue. I think it is about, it's about content. It's about, are you making the right content for them? And um, what I would say is that, you know, we know from schools that, that older children do watch news around. And, it, you know, the age, the age at which they switch off depends on the child, like you said. I mean, for some, for some, for some children, I think, you know, if they're 14, um, you know, news round doesn't appeal to them and they want to watch mm. the 10 o'clock news. And, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable thing for some 14-year-olds and it's not for others and, and they still want to gravitate towards news round. So okay. it depends. Let's take yeah. one for the audience and I want to introduce a, a, a secondary theme. But let's take that one for, uh, person at the back, please. Hi, Kath Shackleton from Fettel Animation. Hello, Louise. Hello, <laughs> Just finished a piece of work for uh, Newsround. We've animated um, a story of a young child refugee. I wondered, Lewis, if you could um, give a wider perspective on the role of animation and uh, what it brings to news coverage and uh, how it helps explain difficult things to kids. Again, looks like you, Lewis. That wasn't a planted question, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. And how much money in the BBC budget would you need to do it better? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, animation is extremely important. Um, uh, I wrote a blog um, last year for the BBC about about the role of animation in particular in in, some, in telling some of these stories, and it, it helps enormously in in that that difficult thing of what imagery you can you can use in telling these stories. And animation allows you to to not just pick from from news agencies and from uh, and 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 from other from other sources. Um, in that particular example that Kath has that I've been working with uh, working on with Kath, you know, the story of unaccompanied child refugees is an incredible important one. It's an incredibly important political issue at the moment. Um, I think it's very important to inform our audience about this issue, but it's very difficult to interview an unaccompanied child refugee because they are wards of the state. So what we've done in this animation, what we've done this animation is animated the story to give anonymity to that particular person and, and working with children's services at, um, at K uh, Kent County Council, we've, we've been able to protect that child whilst being able to bring to a, a wider audience the story of unaccompanied child refugees, which is an important one. And so that's one, one concrete example of what animation right. can allow you to do. Tom, uh, I guess in your, in your work you're using sometimes different techniques. Uh, any, any, any thoughts you have on the use of animation or indeed any other techniques to try to bring some of these issues to a, to a younger audience? Yeah, again, I'd come back to context. Uh, if we're looking, say, at the seven, six to 12-year-old, it, it's, it's the kind of the immediate experience of the context in which they're accessing it. And, and uh, children watch adults. And um, if the adults are there, they will be working out the adult reaction as part of, as part of their own response. Mm. Um, could I just um, go back to a comment from the, um, I think, the original footage very early on, in which the, um, the terrorists were described as psychopaths? Um, that, that sort of leaves me a, a bit uneasy, um, because I'm, uh, there would be an alter, uh, it's certainly uh, horrific actions, clearly. Um, but I'm not too sure that that's necessarily helpful. It's a helpful description uh, because the decisions to to wreak havoc or whatever, presumably were taken in a in a, in a kind of rational frame of mind. The, the rationality may well have been different to ours, but it has a re had a reasoning behind it. Mm. And I think a, a term like psychopath pre prevents us thinking about um, the issues in, involved with this. Okay, thank you. I just want to develop it now into something a little bit different, because all, all the news stories we talk about so far are things that all right-minded people would condemn. Okay, Let's take an issue in which families might be divided, you know, towns might be divided. I mean, the one that comes to mind most obviously is Brexit. I mean, obviously, Lewis, your job is to explain the issues and everything, but are there different, uh, different dynamics at work here, aren't there, within, within, within you know, British life. Again, again, Anne, do you have any, have any thoughts on, on that? And I mean, you've, goodness knows, I suppose you've written about it often enough. <laughs> uh, um, did, what, do, what did children make of Brexit? Are they, should they be, I mean, for those whose parents were voted um, Remain, should they be fearful? I mean, how do you reassure them? <laughs> That, well, I tell you, my um, you know young twenties are absolutely furious with the, their parents' generation. Mm. Um, but but um, the, the, I mean, the wider question about how you um, re report it. I mean, one of the kind of one of the things that's most infuriating for the kids who did vote is the number of kids who didn't vote. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things is how did we fail to get across 
to this demographic, the urgency of them, A, registering, and B, getting out of bed or, or, or organizing a postal ballot and taking part in this vote. I feel that's a real fail from us all. OK, we're talking about an, uh, you know, uh, old, some, some, somebody outside your normal age uh, range, but um, goodness, um, you know, we've, uh, we, you know, it's a, it's a colossal example of how um, we have not caught up with the way uh, that demographic consumes media and, and media messages. Mm. I mean, Anne, you and I worked on Channel 4 News, I think, during the miners' strike, <laughs> if I remember right, which was a pretty big story here in Sheffield, and which, I mean, I remember we did a, a film in a place called Shirebrook, which is now best known as the home of Sports Direct, mm. um, but actually was a village where virtually one half of the village was not speaking to another half of the yeah. village. Um, and I, I just feel that there's a, there's a level here, a level of... Uh, argument which goes beyond what we've been talking about in terms of, I say, we can all condemn terrorist acts. But I don't know, again, are there, are there equivalents in, in France of issues which run so deep in society that you wouldn't quite know what to tell the children? I mean, is racism in France, for instance, I mean, is that, is that an undercurrent which you've ever attempted to address on some of the, uh, the, the, the web pages you worked on? No, we, we didn't, but it's, um, it's easy to explain racism. It's not, mm. a, it's not, a, there's not a, a fracture. Mm. Maybe um, there was this sort of, uh, of fracture uh, during the constitution referendum too, in, uh, but I, I didn't write for children at, the, at that time. Right. But I think it was, a, it was also a big, uh, in, in newsrooms, it was a, a really uh, in liberation. People mm. uh, weren't, uh, didn't agree with, with, with another, so it was really difficult. So I thought in the families it was, a, it was also a, a mm. big thing. But uh, today uh, I can find uh, something really, uh, really uh, a gap between, uh, between people. Mm. Lewis, any reflections on the Brexit debate and, and Anne's point about young voters? I think, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it's very true. I think it's, you know, I think it reflects badly on us all that, that, um, that, that 18 to 24 year olds didn't vote. Although interestingly, if the level of 18 to 24 year olds voting was the same as um, over 50s and they all, and all those 18 to, extra 18 to 24 year olds had voted remain, it still wouldn't have been a Remain vote. So I think, I think we need to put a little bit of context <laughs> into it. It, was, you know, it wasn't the 18 to 24s what lost it. I, I think, and I think it's quite important to, ref, to reflect on that. For us, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, you're right. It's, it's it, it, you know, everyone could condemn terrorism. The fact is, in a, in a binary vote like a referendum is, you know, virtually half of people are very disappointed and virtually, and just over half are absolutely delighted with the decision, presumably, that they made, or, or most of them. Will, be, will still be delighted with it. So it's, it's just ref making sure that we reflect that. I mean, I think one issue where you, you, can, you can really explore those fault lines is over immigration. And we've spoken to children directly about immigration in the, in the run-up to the, the, the Brexit vote. And um, I, you know, we went to Southampton, which is an area that's seen lots of EU immigration. And you see the whole, the whole range of views. You know, in, in children, the same as adults, from 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 you know very pro-immigration, from children who are Polish themselves, right through to children who are worried about about how busy their school is, and and, and relate that to immigration. Mm. So you know, it, it's very similar to adults in that way. There's and one there's one interesting point that came out of that of the post-mortem on the um, Brexit uh, referendum, which is the attitude to experts and to where you get facts from. And that strikes me as having an interesting read across to the way we deliver news um, to, uh, you know, to, to, to kids from, from an early age. Uh, where does this 
deep scepticism about um, official uh, or expert knowledge come from? Where does it kind of start taking effect, I wonder? Mm. Tom, do you have a... <laughs> have well, I suppose the, if news rounds pitched at 6 to 12, I mean, uh, from a psychological point of view, in a Piagetian sense, that's the age at which uh, a child would come to want to know something about that external authority. And, um, and so uh, children become little politicians at, at that age. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's right that we do play some of these issues out in the media so that they get some sense of it. Uh, I would say a colleague re reflected on the Brexit and, and uh, they have a young child uh, and there was a total mismatch between what appeared to be the content on the screen, which was people, adults talking, and the shock and the horror on, uh, on their parents' faces, uh, which was quite tricky to make sense of for the child. Mm -hmm. um, and so if there is that mismatch, then a child becomes really engaged at that moment, trying to make sense of their own adults' uh, responses and what's on the screen. Yeah, good point. Have you got time for one more question, if there is one? Yes, just one. let's take that one, and then we'll, we'll wrap up after that. Hi, um, Julie Fox from AWOL Animation in Paris. It's not a question, it's just a comment because I saw how several families around me, children in France, reacted at that time. They don't have news for different age groups in Paris. So the children that I know around me, they saw the news that the adults saw and they saw it at the same time. And um, the adults I know, the children reacted and said, you know, straight out, is this war? And the parents said yes. Yeah. That was my experience of living through that time in France. Interesting point. So, do you want to so, so for those people who weren't looking at your web pages in French or in English, there was no, there is no equivalent of news round. Is that, is that what you're saying? No, no, there's not. Right. No. So, and you're saying the, the conclusion they drew from that? Well, I mean, the president of France did say it was war, didn't he? I think. So presumably they believe the experts. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. They, they did say that, so, so yes, and yeah. uh, a lot of people, uh, when a, a big thing like that occurs, they, uh, they watch a BFM, it's a, it's a, news, it's channel. a news channel, yeah. and, uh, and I think when uh, this, the television is, uh, is, uh, is on and all the children can, can yeah. see it, but uh, I think that the, that's why the Tilibé is, um, is something to come after they saw, maybe images they, they shouldn't have because you can really explain and there, there, there are no videos in our, in our webpage. Yeah. It's only text and, and it's, 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 it's out at a, a moment to, to reflect on what's, what happened and what they saw mm. before, I think. Okay. Well, let's take that as a vote of further vote of confidence in Newsround, Lewis. Um, we'll come to, a, to close our session now. Thank you very much and please thank our panel. <laughs> <laughs>